0: Welcome to episode 265 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall
1: Bach. Welcome. Konnichi- konnichiwa from Japan. <laughs> Nihao from Beijing, China. Oh, yeah, I'm in Tokyo specifically. Yes. Yeah, we're
0: on the road, man. We are on the road. We are recording uh, both via hotel rooms with uh, our, our ping was bad earlier. It's, it's hovering around 100 milliseconds right now, which is not ideal, but uh, doable for a podcast such
1: as this. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you turn off that FaceTime call.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helps a lot.
1: I don't need to see your beautiful face to, to have
0: this conversation. It's <laughs> To fun. hear my sultry, sultry uh, vocal cords. So yeah, Marshall and I, we're both traveling, and we're going to dig into that in this episode, actually. uh, We've been poking around and and studying some of the the design happenings as we wander around Japan and China. But before we get into that and more in this episode, we want to thank our sponsors for making this episode of Design Details possible. First up, Envision Studio is back. Envision Studio is the world's most powerful screen design tool that brings together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all in one place It's all connected to the Envision Cloud product that you're already using with your entire team so it makes it really really easy to just plug in turn your ideas into great products all with one connected workflow envision studio has been built in collaboration with some of the world's best design teams from companies like stripe airbnb amazon slack lyft hbo netflix uh the big ones so those designers trust envision studio to uh, be the tool of choice to make their apps and and you should too unlike legacy design tools that were built for graphic static and print design uh, envision studio has been built specifically for a new generation of designers just like you who are creating specifically for screens and phones envision studio has created a new visual language for designers to collaborate with the rest of their team uh, everyone that's involved in the product design process not just designers uh, making it a lot easier to share ideas and get stakeholder buy-in and the best part is envision studio is free forever it'll always be free forever it's an early access right now at envisionapp.com studio first of all you should check out their marketing page because it's beautiful and it gives a lot more uh, screenshots and videos and animations explaining what the product is. Uh, but also it has a nice big button that lets you click and get early access to Envision Studio today so that you and your team can start collaborating together and building better products right now. So go to envisionapp.com studio. Thank you so much to Envision Studio for making this episode possible.
1: Thank you, Envision Studio. And also thank you to Asana for sponsoring this episode. Asana is an app to help you manage your projects and coordinate all the work that your team does together. And they're doing something super cool right now which is they're going on the road they are going to two cities Chicago and uh, Chicago in late October and Austin in early November to meet and interview designers in those cities so they're growing and they're looking for product designers and design managers at all levels including some super experienced people so if that is you they'll be in each of those cities for three to four days and uh, they're trying to meet the best people and interview them in this kind of a shortened format so if uh, successful they'll pay for you to relocate to san francisco and start working with their teams uh, asano is an awesome company uh, i've used their products before they make kanban and Gantt chart. Uh, things, make everything that you do at work a lot easier. And uh, they seem like a very awesome company to work for. Last last time they were a sponsor on this episode, and Brian mentioned that they are one of the, to- uh, the number one company to work for in the U.S. Is that yeah. correct, Brian? Yeah.
0: Someone rated them the, the top company to work for in the U.S.
1: Yeah. And I believe it. So like I said, they're looking for six people from this trip. So if you think that's you, uh, they're willing to fly people to those cities if you don't live close by. But go to asana.design. There is a section at the top where you can click on links to whether you're a product designer or a design manager to find out more info. Like I said, it's Chicago and Austin, which are both very cool cities to be in regardless and interviewing for a cool company just makes it that much better. So thank you to Asana for sponsoring this episode.
0: Thank you to Asana sana. All right, with that, let's get into the episode, Marshall. I uh yes. I very sheepishly owe you a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, why do you owe me a Coca-Cola, Brian?
0: Well, we made a bet last week that uh, people wouldn't listen to the end of the episode. And it turns out people listen through to the end of the episode. Uh, I woke mm-hmm. up on uh, last Wednesday morning to tweets saying, hey, Brian, you owe Marshall Coke. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the end of our episodes. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, I was proven wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a good thing. Either that or just apathy. People have it going on in the background. They just heard it by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. We'll see. Uh, but I hope people don't but, listen
0: to our showing apathy like there's literally <laughs> nothing better to do in life than to have us in the background okay
1: yeah we're just background noise it's fine it's okay eh, i'll take i'm it. okay with that there yeah <laughs> <we>, uh, <laughs> small
0: wins small wins is what i would call that
1: <laughs> so i look forward to you giving me that coca-cola uh I appreciate it'll have to it. be uh in, in in a
0: little while we're
1: we're on the road we are on the road uh we'll talk about that in a bit but first let's talk about this uh this apple event that just happened
0: so uh when we started the new format for design details one thing that we thought would be a fun segment is to recap some of the major events that take place in in the design world and technology world and obviously apple events would fall into that category so this is our our first i guess coverage of the event but as you'll soon find out, it might be a
1: shorter recap. So normally, I ate this shit up, right? I love, I love me some <laughs> Apple events...
0: Full, full fanboy.
1: Full, full fanboy, yeah. I mean, I'm also a kind of a Google fanboy. I'm, I'm weird in that way in that I... I that you work for them? <laughs> I, well, yeah, I you, that too. It's sort uh, of weird. I like stripes I like stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm a big fan of Nike and I'm a big fan of Adidas. I don't really typically fall into a camp kind of a thing. I, I, see, the, I see the pros and cons ah. in, in all sides. Uh, yeah, so we had this Apple event. We've been looking forward to it. For a while, or I had been looking forward to it for a while, they put out this event notice where it had this kind of uh, bronze or, or copper ring on the invite. And I thought that was a reference to, um, I'll put a picture in the show notes, but I thought that was a reference to the Qi charger. They have these coils um, for wireless charging. I thought we were going to finally, finally get this air power apple juice thing that they've been touting for over a year now they told us about it i think at last apple event or maybe it was yeah
0: this time last year right
1: yeah yeah it's been a year and i've been jonesing for a year like give me that cheese stuff first party cheese stuff I, you know there's plenty of other options but nobody does it like apple does it right right so when i saw that <laughs> well apparently invite...
0: not because apple doesn't do it <laughs> and yeah. other
1: people do do it <laughs> yeah and you know hardware hardware is hard that's why they call it hardware is that why they call it hardware i assume that's why they call it hardware because it's difficult yeah <laughs> and i i think there are rumors that there's been issues with the production of this stuff they like overheating or something and I get it, but God damn it, I want it. Like, give me give me the thing. I want to charge it on my nightstand. I want to put it on my bedside table so I can just put my, my AirPods, which is another thing that they, they've uh, teased us with that they still haven't announced yet, the wireless charging AirPod case and this AirPower mat thing. that You can put your phone and you put your watch and you put your AirPods. And you don't have to plug anything in. You just put it on the mat and it just charges overnight it's a dream hence the bedside table thing right yeah <laughs> but none of that stuff has come to fruition and they seem to have forgotten about it obviously they haven't forgotten about it they're just hoping we do yeah and yeah I that's haven't.
0: what I'm, I'm wondering is if if this is something that will just sort of fade into uh, the abyss and the hope that we forget and a, a small number of people will have this inside joke of oh remember that air power teaser that that never existed or you know maybe they've hit technical roadblocks and they just need more time who knows
1: yeah that's my guess i mean i don't think they would have announced it if they didn't think it was going to happen uh, uh, can you think of another example when they've done that like usually they don't even announce Nothing something comes to until mind. yeah they don't yeah, announce like something that's the until... surprising thing is that
0: they would even announce it like to the fidelity that they had mock-ups and everything for it and and like renderings and then like okay we'll we'll release it in a year, which is already a huge lead time for most of their product releases. Yeah. And then a year later, no follow up. I, I think that's bad news if I'm
1: reading the signs here. I, I When when they announced it, I interpreted like early 2018. I think they may, might have even said like H1 2018. Yeah. So I'm thinking like July at the latest, right? And here we are in September and still ain't got no apple juice. So yeah. I'm disappointed.
0: <laughs> how about the, the rest of the event? How, how how do you feel about the hardware? Any things stand out to you from a, a design perspective about the the new things?
1: I mean, this might be the first year that I don't upgrade my phone in 10 years. It's been a decade of me upgrading every year. This might be the first time I don't do it. I'm looking at the site here and the iPhone 10s which is how it's pronounced on iPhone XS, which is kind of a funny thing. uh,
0: Let's just go ahead and and nail this one down because that is the dumbest naming scheme in the world and no Mm -hmm. normal human being from now till the end of time will ever call it an iPhone XS. Nobody will ever do it.
1: Even with the history of the numbers and everything, it's still, it's XS. Can't
0: mix letters together and then hope that people know that one letter is pronounced like a Roman numeral and the other one is not.
1: It's just insanity. No, but they put the S in a box, bro, and that's how you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, but
0: they don't. They don't. They're so inconsistent with it. On the, the S marketing pages, it's in the little box, but on the apple.com homepage, it's X and then small caps S. X, small caps R. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so the inconsistency, there's just... A dumb naming scheme they've kind of backed themselves into a corner with this one I think
0: I hadn't noticed this but I was reading Gruber's take on it and he said none of the Apple ads have a voiceover anymore so there's nobody mm. pronouncing the product in a marketing capacity which kind of says to me they just don't give a shit like they, they don't care that they know everybody's gonna mispronounce it it's not worth trying to correct them like if everyone says XS and it sounds like XS because it's a fucking fifteen hundred dollar phone like, yeah, yeah, that can be a joke, but whatever, people will still buy it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is it's either excess or tennis, right? It's either the iPhone <laughs> tennis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Right>? tennis. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh the poor I, I wonder if they had um, so many years of people just calling it an iTouch instead of an iPod Touch. Yep, they yep. threw up their hands and said, fuck it, whatever we call it. Nobody's going to actually call it that. They're just going to come up with whatever their own name is for it, and we're, we're powerless right. to change it. Really, what they should be calling it is the new iPhone, right? Yes. I, or iPhone parentheses 2018, Yeah, which is what they do with their MacBooks, right? Yeah, but fuck that, too,
0: because then when you take your laptop into the apple store and you need repairs they say oh is that the early 2013 model oh we only support that feature from the 2011 fall release to the early 2015s like fuck you this is a macbook pro like what do i need to do i think that's a dumb dumb scheme as well (laughs) like the air and now the macbook name is it god what a mess actually maybe that's just the whole other side tangent is their product lineup is the most complex it's ever been at this point right
1: uh yes remember back in the day when steve jobs showed that little uh, table where yeah, yeah yeah the consumer matrix, Pro. Right? yeah yeah i mean it's really just four squares right yeah someone tweeted and i'll put it in the show notes if i can find it but someone tweeted a very smart thing i want to say it was nah, actually i don't want to say who i thought it was because i'll probably be wrong but the gist of it was as far as this naming convention thing goes What they should do is they should have uh, like vanilla and then vanilla pro or, you know, whatever and then whatever pro. And there's one model of the whatever and then there's two models of the pro. They already do this with the iPad, right? There's the iPad, which is the 10.7 and they have the 10.7 or sorry, they have the iPad pro, which is 10.7 and a 12 point whatever, 12.9, something like that. Uh, They do this with the MacBooks where there's the the MacBook and then there's a MacBook pro in two sizes, right? Yep. Uh, and the exact same thing is true of iPhone now, where you have this iPhone 10R, which would be just iPhone, and then you have iPhone Pro, which would be your 10s S. and your 10s yeah. S Max, right? Yep, yeah, two yep. sizes. Really smart. I think it would be applicable. You'd get back to that matrix thing where everything is consistent across the board. Yeah, maybe you'll run into like uh, tech issues, but. I mean, you can just look at your serial. If you're, if you're dealing with like a genius bar or something like that, you can give them your serial number, or not your serial number, your um, model number, and they'll be able to figure it out, right? Right, right. But yeah, I think there's there's a bit of a corner that they've backed themselves up into with this naming stuff, and I don't know how they get out of it without just wiping the slate clean and coming up with a new convention. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it seems as though the the inevitable moment of truth for them is this time next year, right? They can't have
1: the iPhone... 10s, something it's got to they need to reset in some way. Well, no, it would be it'd be 10i or, or it'd be 11, right? So it'd be xi. So, <laughs> yeah, the xi in two years, that, yeah, within two years, we're gonna sense. have the iPhone Zis. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the Zis Max, you got that Zis Max, the Zis Max Plus Pro. So, yeah, plus uh, Max is new too, right? They've always gone plus and yeah. now they're saying Max. I don't know. fuck are you gonna upgrade? I'm a, I'm on the Apple upgrade program, so if it's
0: not any more yeah. expensive, I probably will. So here's my hot take: the the phone's the same, better processor. It seems like there's a new uh, sensor in the camera, so you might get some better photos if if you're really hardcore. But the S, the 10s, is the same phone. the The big release here is the 10R, which is the loose equivalent of the 5C, except it's not shitty hardware. It's like really really good hardware, slightly worse screen, uh, maybe less powerful camera, but like really good chip. Uh, really good hardware uh, the colors I thought looked great like this is a and it's not really a budget iPhone like it's still pretty freaking expensive yep but
1: yeah I, I just don't have much to say sorry it's also a middle size between the 10 and the oh, sorry the 10 s and the 10 s max which is yeah. kind of interesting that it's in this middle ground instead of just matching one or the other I, yeah. I would assume they would have make it the same size or even smaller I have a I know a bunch of people who would much rather it be a smaller version like more like the 320 width size phones
0: yeah I would say the one thing I'm unprepared to comment on which is uh, a symptom of having been traveling is I don't know what the impact of this is on mock-ups from a DPI perspective because I know that the XR or sorry the 10r is a different
1: <laughs> you uh, did it fuck. you did the thing <laughs>
0: you know what just lean into it everyone don't <laughs> yeah. don't Kate the XR the 10r who cares uh, it has a different uh d p i right and it's gonna have a slightly different mm-hmm. screen size than the 10 because they had to make the liquid l c d screen slightly smaller to handle the bezels so I don't know what that's gonna do for mockups if you need to have now a another resolution although i can't imagine anyone's designing in such a way that a few dips difference would dramatically impact your your
1: mockup in any way but do you uh do you design at one x or how do you how do you do it yeah, yeah, 1X. Yeah, I do, I do the same, and I, I design with symbols so that it shouldn't really matter if you have it shouldn't smart matter. pinning. Yeah. But it is yeah. new
0: screen sizes for people that have artboards and mockups that try and are trying to be holistic, and here's how this is going to look on this particular device.
1: I can't imagine doing three for everything. That would suck. Yeah, that would suck. Uh, one of the issues I run into a lot is aspect ratios, which is yeah. so far unaddressed by Sketch. I'm not sure if Figma does, but... Uh, Sketch has no concept of an aspect ratio when it comes to pinning for for resizing, uh, which makes my life very very difficult. Which means I basically just have to choose a size, yeah. which I just go with three seventy five. Android is a little bit easier with like three sixty and everything. All the yeah. all the eights work out in, yep. in my eight point grid. But yeah, the the bigger thing here for me was that 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 um, screenshot of the uh, watch that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you have no uh, actually, comment on the, it's the real. iPhone.
0: <laughs> you want to just jump into the watch?
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think I'm going to upgrade. Um, if I did, I might get a Max um, yeah. just so that it's different. I think I might make the dumb the dumb mistake. So,
0: I had the, the 7 Plus, and when I went from the 7 Plus to the 10, it was like a huge relief from an ergonomics perspective. But I'm, yeah, I would maybe try the Max again, even though
1: it hurts your hand. Like, no. Yeah. Other. Do you have big hands? I have small hands.
0: Uh you're probably gonna regret it if you do any sort of like bedtime laying in bed browsing your phone. Uh like I, one hand. I have yeah, one handed I I have uh, fairly big hands, I guess, relative to others since I'm a tall person. And the iPhone ten is like the perfect size. So I, I would probably be making a mistake, but I do like the idea of having a gigantic S screen. So well,
1: one thing that's interesting is because I'm overseas um, I have, I've been using my Android phone a lot because it has like the uh, Project Fi roaming. So I don't have to like, oh, yeah. I didn't have to call AT&T and blah, 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 or have like a MiFi walking around with a little extra box to so that I'm not getting charged a billion dollars for roaming on my on my iPhone and it's just a lot easier. So I've just been using this Android phone and it's a Pixel Two XL, which is essentially a Max slash Plus size phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typing with one hand, especially swipe typing, is very very difficult. Especially yeah. hitting that the the button in the bottom left to switch between ABC and one two three. Yeah, that's made my life. Really difficult, so I'm, I'm actually thinking I probably won't go up to the max size with my yeah, tiny, tiny hands. Would, I think you'd regret it, yeah. But maybe the middle ground one is is better? I don't know. Whatever. I probably won't upgrade. But let's talk about the watch. Yeah. So the screenshot was accurate. It was real. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. vaporware or vapor or whatever. Yeah, this is a real thing, so th- and it's good. The watch I'm excited about. The the
0: notable things for me were haptics in the uh, digital crown, in the which crown. is fucking yeah, buddy. smart. Like, Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know how uh, that especially didn't Especially for scrolling or through lists didn't...
0: of things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. How did we not uh, think? Like, I'm surprised I, w- I didn't miss that already, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It will be perhaps like tap to wake on the iPhone 10. Whereas if you, someone that's on an older iPhone and you tap their screen, it's like, why won't it turn on? It'll mm-hmm. be like that. It'll be like. You didn't realize how useful it is until you had it, and then you never want to go back.
1: Yeah. Well, my Pixel has that. You can double tap the screen. Maybe it's just on Pi, yeah. but yeah, it's
0: just the the old, the old, the older iPhones pre
1: 10 don't have tap to wake. There's probably a battery thing, so they're not like constantly listening for touches on the screen face. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Do, so do, do you new... use the digital crown to to navigate through lists, or do you do you <laughs> swipe on the screen? Yeah, that's the other thing is that I it's not that often
0: I use the the crown, but in cases of scrolling lists and things like that it will be immensely useful to have like a like spatial awareness of of the list that you're viewing it's like okay this is the top of a list item just snap to that thing is at least that's how i'm envisioning it will work is it will interface with the software so that a tick will represent like an amount of space that represents you know a new list item showing up on the screen or something Mm -hmm.
1: i wonder if the list will also pop visually in a way that the the haptics will make it feel like it pops because um, mm-hmm. usually when you have, have the Taptic engine doing things on your phone, it's because you've 3D touched into something and it's it's crossing, crossing a threshold where, yeah. okay, now this thing is popped out into its peak state and now it's popped out into its pop state. Um, I'm really curious to see how that looks. I guess I could probably watch a... YouTube video on it or something. I'm sure somebody's covered it. But yeah, I I, I do a lot of uh, finger scrolling through lists on my phone. I think I'll probably use the digital crown more now. But with iOS 12 and Notification Center and group notifications, notifications actually are tolerable and usable on a regular basis instead of just being a a graveyard where all the stuff that happened on your phone goes and you never go look at it again. Like It's actually manageable now um, because it's relatively short depending on how many apps you have installed it actually like you could it, it's browsable in there you can actually do some triage instead of just having an uh, uh chronologically ordered list of your notifications so I'm, I'm i'm expecting that to be useful here with a digital crown on the on the apple watch
0: yep uh other things that were exciting uh the fall detection and the like improved heart rate stuff so with the the ecg i don't know that i'm gonna use that i don't, don't, don't let it, ever had to use one so it might be fun to play with but the fall detection stuff is amazing and actually feels super applicable to like it almost seems like that's something that every person will feel a responsibility to have in some way it's like if i fall and i'm unresponsive having a way to automatically trigger a call for help seems so clearly obvious that like i think that's actually going to be a huge selling point especially for the especially the the aging demographics of the united states i imagine it's going to be huge for for older people
1: so do you remember i don't know if you're old enough to remember this but there was a there was a commercial yeah, back in yeah, the 90s yeah. help
0: i've fallen and i can't get up yeah
1: yeah, for Life Alert, and this <laughs> yeah. is an entire product made specifically for this use case. Now it just works in your watch, but yeah, this is literally they've built help. I've fallen and I can't get up into your Apple Watch, which but is it a great looks thing. good. <laughs> well, it looks good, and like you said, with the ECG thing, I'll, I'll, I probably never would have explored that on my own. But now that it's on my watch, I'll I'll probably actually just check it out just to see if there's any sort of problems with my heart and check it up regularly i'm i'm relatively healthy despite my diet but um yeah this this, every time they make
0: aside from the garbage i i put into my body at an unbelievable (laughs) rate every day
1: i'm pretty healthy (laughs) yeah uh well i just uh, i thank my metabolism for that yeah (laughs) genes. but yeah i think i think putting this in the hands of well on the wrists of the average person will make health a lot more in in the same way that um, all the other health stuff they've done on the watch. um, It will make it a lot more accessible to people. Who otherwise might have neglected it or just not cared, you know? Right. And and save some lives. So even if it saves one life, the whole thing is worth it, in my yeah. opinion. Really cool. This is. I mean, I, that was the best part. For me. Usually, I look forward to the iPhone part of these events, but this time I was like, wow, I'm I'm really excited about the fact that they're going to be recycling parts of phones, and they've got this whole new give back program, and they're not going to be mining as many materials out of the earth, and they're going to be helping people with their heart problems and potentially elderly people not dying because they weren't able to get to a phone after they fell and broke a hip or something. Like, right? strange things to get excited about for an Apple event. But this is the world we live in now, Brian. <laughs> strange times indeed, Marshall. So that was the Apple event. Uh, we'll continue to cover new events as they happen, probably the larger ones like this and IO and other stuff. But uh, if there's other things happening that, that you know about uh, and you want to let us know about that might not be as high profile as a Apple event or an IO, let us know and we'd be happy to check it out and incorporate it into the show. Cool. So we've been traveling, Brian. Uh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Marshall, how about you tell me what's going on in, on your side of the world? Yeah. So, uh, last week I left cloudy San Francisco for sunny Seoul. Did they call it that? I don't know. It's a land of the morning calm, South, South Korea. That's a phrase oh, I learned. That's beautiful. I spent a yeah. And nice. Uh, there's a story that a missionary went there and in the morning, the, the sun rising over the mountains and everything was beautiful and quiet. And he it came up with the term. Land of the Morning Calm, and it stuck. It truly is a a beautiful country, and uh, the people are wonderful, and I had a great time. I was there for a few days doing some work stuff. Afterwards, we flew here to Japan, the land of the rising sun, and I've been here in Tokyo since then. Uh, Everybody left on Friday or Saturday. The the official work trip ended, but I've extended it for another week because I treat myself, and I deserve it because I've been working real hard. And uh-huh. uh, spending time with the lady here in, in Tokyo and seeing the sights and doing some shopping and walking around and uh, generally enjoying the city. Tokyo is a wonderful place that I truly enjoy. This is my third time here. And it's gotten to the point now where when I went to Seoul, it felt like I was still kind of like I, I felt lost a little bit. Like I, I felt confused a lot of the time. Like it didn't feel all that comfortable from a homebody standpoint, which I definitely am. But uh, when I came here to Tokyo, it was was almost like going back to the States. Like It it felt comfortable. It felt like um, I know this place. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was was a really nice feeling to come here and feel some level of familiarity. So where where have you been and what have you been traveling at?
0: Yeah, so I am uh, dialing in. I would say I'm getting over the jet lag. I've been in China for three days Uh, we flew out on friday landed saturday we flew into beijing and then we went to a nearby city uh i'm not even going to try and pronounce it i'm sorry uh (laughs) but then we made it back to beijing last night uh we've been sort of just walking around and exploring today we checked out the forbidden city and there's like a really cool park right next to it that has a hill that you can climb on top of the hill and there's these little not temples but uh Little buildings at the top of the hill, I I don't know exactly what to call them. Anyways, they have this beautiful view overlooking Beijing, basically, and uh, Mm. you can sort of see down into the Forbidden City, which is where the old king lived with his 300 wives. Oh, boy. Pretty pretty chill zone. But anyways, this this park that we were in was his backyard, and there's a lake, and uh, it was beautiful out warm and, and blue skies so we're having a great time in Beijing
1: wonderful you're, you're there with your lady as well indeed yes indeed yeah one of the things that I wanted to talk about the reason we bring up our, our foreign travel is that uh, being in, being here in Tokyo you you notice the things that are different right you um, having grown up in the states you become accustomed to all of the norms there and when you go to a different place you, you the, the things that are different stand out obviously and the first time that i came here i noticed this strange pattern along the sidewalks even in the subway basically everywhere uh, around the city there are these i call it the yellow brick road but there are these yellow long bricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah really so brian you know when you uh go to a crosswalk there are as the um uh, on each corner of the sidewalk, as the sidewalk dips into the street, uh, there are these yellow squares with little raised nubs on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the place, and I always assumed that those were for traction, so that if it's raining or something, as you're standing waiting for the light to to change, you don't slip and fall into the street and get run over by a car. Right, it's uh-huh. a fair assumption to make um because they don't have them anywhere else but here in tokyo those those yellow blocks run are are not only on the corners but they run all the way down the sidewalks they run down into the subway they basically go everywhere and i asked a coworker of mine i was like what are these for like what is this ever is it a track for people to push carts along or something like is it you know is it some sort of alignment tool um and it turns out that it is an alignment tool, but not for carts or anything like that. It's for visually impaired people. Ah. So in addition to these square nubbin tiles, they also have these yellow square tiles that have four raised ridges along them. And the ridges run in the direction that the line of tiles run down the sidewalk or uh, along the path that you're walking. And it's for people who are blind or visually impaired so that you can walk on these lines and knowing... Uh, which direction to go based on which direction these ridges go when you get to an intersection whether that's an actual street intersection or where a bus stop is or uh, going up into a building it switches back over to those round nubbin things Mm -hmm. so you you use your feet to feel the the navigational uh, directions and there's actually a word for it. This is called tactile paving. Um, I'm looking at Wiki- Wikipedia here. It says tactile paving, and there's a bunch of names for it: truncated domes, detectable warnings, tactile ground surface indicators, tactile walking surface indicators, <laughs> detectable warning surfaces. <laughs> Jesus. They need to settle. They got a they yeah. got an apple thing going on they with have their a naming a convention, a but... problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tactile XR. No, um, tactile paving.
0: <laughs> XR Max. <laughs> yeah.
1: With the fastest neural network you've ever seen in a sidewalk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A12. Uh, (laughs) Bionic. So, uh, but it's a system of textured ground surface indicators found on footpaths, stairs, and train station platforms to assist pedestrians who are visually impaired. And there's a little bit of cool history. So Japan was the first country to adopt this back in 1965. I'd never heard of it, never thought about it. I always just thought it was for not slipping. But yeah, this they, they started in 1965. Since then, several cities and countries have adopted it as well. Not to the extent that it's here in Tokyo, but it's one of the coolest things. And, and it shows the level of attention to detail and the care. Because, I mean, what do you think the percentage of blind people or visually impaired people in Tokyo is? It can't be that high, right? So right. they must have spent millions tens hundreds of millions of dollars retrofitting sidewalks and installing these things everywhere literally everywhere just for a small percentage of of the population to be able to navigate the city and be that much more comfortable living here i think it's yeah outstanding
0: well the thing the thing about designing for accessibility in this way is that it has all of these tertiary benefits so the fact that you thought it was for traction doesn't mean that it's not useful for traction right like Maybe it wasn't the primary sure. purpose, but there is this now tertiary effect that their sidewalks are probably going to cause fewer people to slip on them,
1: which is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, this is a this is kind of a game design philosophy too. This is this is something that Nintendo talks a, about a lot, and that when you when you have a game mechanic, that game mechanic should not be single purpose. It should solve multiple problems at once. I can't think of a good example right now we can follow up on this next week i'll do some research but um, yeah yeah, it's a general general philosophy of like if you're if you're coming up with a solution it should solve for more than just one thing and and this absolutely does that
0: yeah so uh speaking of things in in other countries that are designed in in my opinion in a superior way than what i've experienced uh back home in the states is i've noticed china has really really amazing crossing signals at uh, sidewalks well first of all so in beijing all their intersections are Gigantic,
1: like <laughs>
0: in every intersection is basically the size of a city block. Like they're huge, uh, their streets are super wide, and uh, most of the uh, crossing signals and, and street lights that I've noticed have a really, really great pattern where everything has a visual indicator of time left on this state of the light so for pedestrian crossings there's like each row of LEDs is this bar of time and it they sort of tick away until there's one little bar left of like red or green and then when that goes you know you can cross or not and and same with the street lights for cars there's sometimes they'll have number counters but most of the the signals i've seen are just rows of bars of lights and it's used as basically a visual timer like here's you can watch it sort of count down by turning off individual rows until it's done and then it goes to the next phase of the light And i think it's a really nice visual way of helping people understand how long it's going to take uh whether it's safe to start crossing how much time you have left especially versus like a number where you don't have any context of the maximum, the sort of light meter system is always relative. Like you can see that this is halfway down. Okay. And then you can sort of gauge like the rate at which it's going down. So I don't know. It's, it's been a nice pattern to see for, for cars in the intersections to to know when it's safe to cross and how long you have. And I, I just haven't seen that anywhere else before.
1: Yeah, in the, in the States we have literal seconds counting down with actual numbers but here and and, yeah the the exact same thing is is true in in tokyo instead of having that kind of instead of having to make a two-digit uh seven segment display kind of a thing you know i'm talking about the seven 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 segment display you don't have to do that you don't have to waste a bunch of space you can just have these two little bars on either side and not only do you know how long you have left to cross but you have you know how long you have left to wait till you can cross, right so you're not just sitting there hoping or watching the light waiting for the light to turn yellow or watching the other crossing signal on on the perpendicular side to see when okay, they can't walk now, so I'll be able to walk here pretty soon. It's such a nice, clear indication of of it's just taking cognitive load off of the the pedestrian,
0: yeah, Beijing also has such a huge bike culture that they have. Uh, individual lights for the bike lanes as well Mm. aside from the pedestrian lane so you have a pedestrian light a bike light and then car lights and they don't all share the same pattern like this which can be a little bit confusing but there is like little bike icons for you know red and red and green whether you are safe to bike across so it's not perfect i I think that's like a pretty tricky problem
1: but it's nice to see the different way of going about it than than i suppose what you're used to in the states Mm -hmm. yeah and i i never would have known about this Other solution for it had I not done some traveling yeah yeah I was gonna mention in addition to this uh, crosswalk thing another thing that they do uh, also to help visually impaired people I assume is when you're when it's time for you to cross if you're visually impaired you don't necessarily know when the light has changed right you can't see these lights even how how nice they are you can't you can't see them Uh so what they do is they play a little tune and so it goes right So you Mm -hmm. know, like, okay, it's time for me to cross. But if you're standing at a four-way intersection, do I know if if it's for me on my uh, me going straight ahead, or is it for people going to the left or to the right? You know, is it is it the perpendicular way? So the way that they solve for this is they have this kind of call and response thing across the intersection. So on on your side it goes, (whistles) and on the other side it goes, (whistles) right. And then uh-huh. back and forth so there's this call and response so you know where it's okay to start walking from and where it's okay to start walking to oh, so, nice. so you don't cross the street in the wrong direction uh, which again, if you're standing in the middle of the, of the street as you're walking across the intersection, you can hear it go behind you and then in front of you and then behind you and in front of you. It's the coolest little thing. It's just a such a nice thought to I- include uh, this type of thing for for again a a tiny portion of the population, but improves that portion of the population's quality of life so much. Sure, I think this is, I think this is something that we can do so much more. Even in, in app design of making sure that we are thinking about people who might not be the majority, sure, but re- I, I think really appreciate when we think about them and and solve for their specific uh, unique problems. Right? Are there are there any other things that you've noticed, Brian? I think that's that's exhausted mine. I had the tactile XR paving and the the crosswalk indicators and the sound thing. Is there anything else you've noticed?
0: Right. Right. Um. Yeah. So we had the the crossing indicators as well i china so this is my second time here first time to beijing though and uh the last time i was here was in 2013 and so five years later it's been absolutely amazing to see how far the technology and and the way smartphones have sort of pervaded your the day-to-day life here so there's a couple things which is so mundane perhaps to the average chinese person but compared to the way things work in the states it's like light years ahead it's crazy so the first thing is QR codes they are everywhere and uh, they're Hmm. used for everything especially for buying things so when you walk up to any store they'll have two QR codes one is for Alipay by Alibaba and one is for WeChat and the way you buy stuff is uh, you, you order the thing they tell you the price you scan the QR code and it opens the say WeChat application to a payment screen you type in the amount that you owe you hit pay and then you show them your phone screen that that proves that you paid and then then they give you your thing. Huh. But this has become so pervasive that while we've been here, we've gone to places where they literally won't take cash. They will not take paper money. Uh, they only take money over these applications, which for context, this would be like going to Seven Eleven and paying for everything via Facebook Messenger, right? Like it's so pervasive. Every street stall uses it, food truck, Uh, restaurant like everything so that's been amazing and and advertisements have QR codes on them so instead of you know most ads in the states and in the bottom left or right corner there'll be like their Instagram username their Twitter username their Facebook page name Uh, here it's just a QR code so just scan the QR code and it'll open up whatever they want you to go to Uh, so the QR codes are pervasive in the way it's changed how people buy stuff is super interesting. And then the second piece of that is the bike sharing. So I think bike sharing for me was, I, I didn't really know anything about it until it sort of landed in San Francisco last year. And it's become a huge fiasco basically with technology companies and and the city and government. But bike sharing is absolutely massive here in China. and And they just put the little QR, little QR codes on the back of the bikes, you walk up to it, hold your camera to it, uh, and it instantly unlocks the bike and you take it. And then when you're done, uh, there's like a little lock mechanism on the bike. And the experience of using these compared to the the way I've used them in San Francisco is so much nicer uh the the main thing that stands out is you can scan multiple qr codes at a time so i was out with my girlfriend and her family and one person could just walk down and scan four bikes unlock four bikes or five bikes or whatever uh everyone could ride them and you didn't have to fumble around like the 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 way it would work with like a jump bike or a bird or whatever in in the states is you're kind of locked into the one thing that you paid for so here it's just so effortless and seamless and and the QR code is the the mechanism that powers all of this. so it's very fluid. I don't know why it's not as popular in the states, but it's so common here, and things are pretty fast like it's fast to move around and buy things and and get what you need. so that's been impressive and I'm trying I've only you know I've only been walking around here for a couple of days at this point, but I've been trying to notice more and more things, so hopefully next week I'll have more to report. We'll be in uh, a different city through next week so. I'll try and keep an eye out for more stuff.
1: So you mentioned the uh, QR codes and, and how it's kind of ubiquitous and it's the way that you pay for a lot of things. One of the things that is here in Japan is you, uh, when you want to ride the subway, you buy a little card uh, called a Passmo card. And it's, uh, the way the subway works here is you don't pay for a ride just straight up. Or it's different. I I lived in Chicago for a long time, and when you get on the train, it's just a flat fee, and you can ride it as long as you want to. The way it works here is you scan when you go in and you scan when you come out. And based on, I think it charges a little bit when you go in, and then based on how far you've gone, it charges you the rest, the remainder when you leave uh, at at the destination. Yeah, smart. But in addition to being useful for the trains, you can use these Passmo cards on vending machines, and there are vending machines everywhere Uh uh-huh there you can buy a drink you can buy they have hot vending machines for coffee yeah dude when i was there i was there in the winter and i'd never seen a
0: hot vending machine ever and it was so fucking cold when we were there we were there in january and Mm -hmm. i got a hot vending machine like i don't know like coffee or something and i just used it as a hand warmer it was amazing
1: (laughs) so good yeah there's a there's a brand called boss coffee here that uh, actually tommy lee jones was the face of for a long Uh time he might still be tommy yeah, Tommy. There's a really. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. There's a hilarious ad campaign where Tommy Lee Jones is an alien trying to like <laughs> live regular life in in Japan, but he's he's just kind of fumbling his way through. But he's an alien. It's really bizarre, but it's all for a coffee uh, brand. But okay. um, it's a canned coffee. Yeah. So yeah. So there's that. There's the the Passmo thing, which is nice. So you can have this card that helps you get around. And when you're down waiting for a train, you can just scan your card and or put your card into the vending machine and get a drink and just deducts from your balance. Also, in addition to that, there's there's this strange thing where you might know that Japan is a very clean city or sorry, uh, Tokyo is a very clean city. I, I think it's kind of known for that. Yeah. And one of the counterintuitive things about that is that there are no trash cans hardly anywhere. If you have trash, if you have an empty bottle or a wrapper or something you just carry it with you and you throw it away when you get home or until you find a trash can which is extremely infrequent there there are usually recycling right next to vending machines but it's you know maybe one every 5 or 10 so you don't even see it all that often so Typically, you'll buy a drink and then you just have to hang on to the bottle uh, for the rest of the day. But there's no trash anywhere because people are just conditioned to hang on to their trash, and people don't litter. It's it's actually really nice. You'd think it'd be the opposite, where you know, in in, right. this, in San Francisco, for example, there's trash everywhere, and there's also trash cans everywhere. But you would think if you took away the trash cans, there'd be even more litter everywhere. But uh, here, it's not that way. I don't know if that's part. I think of it's just got to be a cultural
0: wealth. difference. It's got to be. I just can't mm-hmm. envision. Taking away trash cans in San Francisco and having people be oh maybe I should just carry this further <laughs> yeah.
1: well, I learned a word while I was here, which is I, I learned it from a, a coworker who works out of the Tokyo office here um, he speaks fluent Japanese, but he was he grew up in Mountain View and I was like, I got it Figure out this guy's story. I need to ask him some questions because I'm a huge fan of language. I I grew up on Scrabble, and uh, you know that was the kind of games that we played <laughs> as, as kids. <laughs> Basically, yeah. My my mom is um, I mentioned before. She's a medical transcriptionist. She's very uh, word savvy, and she raised us to be very word savvy. So uh, one of the things that uh, really appealed to me was this this white dude from Mountain View who's Translating for us in these meetings and and uh, speaking fluent Japanese, like I got to figure out what this guy's story is. But uh, in our talking, he uh, introduced me to this word that is uh, mywaku which basically means a trouble or a nuisance or a bother and it's a big part of the culture to avoid being a mywaku here and i think part of that is avoiding you know littering and not smoking you can't smoke on the street you can't smoke on the sidewalk there are dedicated smoking areas but nobody smokes on the street so that means there's no cigarette butts on the street and uh, it also means that people are very, very courteous when you are walking down the sidewalk, which you walked in the left side of the sidewalk, which has fucked me up for a while. I'm just now starting to get <laughs> used to it. It's uh-huh. a, it's a, it's a change. Every time that I come here, I have to remind myself constantly to not be a mywaku. But you know, if you if you run into somebody, they you know, or if you're about to run into somebody, it's like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. It's a very courteous society I, I love it but yeah it's been a it's been an interesting interesting thing to learn that there's an actual word for this which is, is something that people try to avoid and and it appeals to my sensibilities because I I too try to avoid being a, a nuisance I I don't like confrontation so yeah. it appeals to my sensibilities
0: I I suppose what's been interesting for me so I've been able to spend a little bit of time in Tokyo and then a little bit of time here in China and it's interesting that word because I don't know if it applies here but the China is there's a hectic nature to it like when you walk around there is just people driving by you there are bikes going around you there are people around you there are a lot of people and a lot of vehicles but everything just flows really well so in this is very much in contrast to what I experienced in in Japan where here I don't think anybody's trying not to be a miwaku but it's more like Everyone is very accurately predicting where everyone else is going to go, and so things flow really well. But it means that you kind of have to be on all the time. Like for me, you mm. you have to be confident and just go and embrace the chaos and don't overthink <laughs> like oh dear god there's five cars coming to me you have to trust that like the system here is everyone will avoid you mm-hmm. so i don't know if that makes everybody a miwaku or everyone not a miwaku cuz they know that everybody else is doing the same thing so there's like a a very interesting tension here at least for me as a foreigner walking around i don't know exactly how it feels mm. for a local but there's a a certain chaos that is uh, very
1: fluid, which is it's kind of fun to be in, but very different than anything I experienced in in Tokyo. Yeah. Also, uh, caveat: I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize. To <laughs> well, I'm copying you, so. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> it may be maywaku. It's M E I W A K U. Maywaku, probably actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 such a a nice part of the society here. Is like nobody wants to get in your way and yeah. you don't want to get in anybody else's way. It just makes everything so much nicer. But I guess the inverse can be true as well. Yeah,
0: here it's like you can't avoid that everyone's going to be in everyone's way. So you embrace that and things flow really well. Like it, it works. Mm-hmm. Well, this is great. Let's, uh, as, as we continue our travels, let's keep an eye out for other things that maybe we could do a follow-up on for design decisions that, that we notice in these cities and ways of life that are are, might be interesting to talk about.
1: I think um, maybe that was uh, good enough. That was that was plenty of cool things that we've mentioned. Maybe we can uh, keep this episode a little bit shorter. looks like we're going a little bit long. So maybe we can uh, leave out one cool things this week because we just said a bunch of cool things.
0: I think that was a good daily dose of cool things.
1: All right. Well, Brian, thanks for a good episode. I hope you uh, have, have a great time the rest of your travels. And I'll Likewise. see you back in the States. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this
0: travel edition of design details uh, we're we're on the road and it seems fitting to to talk about the things we notice and maybe it's not exactly the normal format but hopefully it was interesting if you've never been to these countries and hopefully People who have been to Tokyo or Beijing are, are nodding their head as they remember <laughs> these things that we're noticing maybe for the first time. So uh, thank you for listening. Of course, before we go, be sure to check out our sponsors who made this episode possible. First up is Envision Studio. Envision Studio is building the world's best and most powerful screen design tool, bringing together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all inside of one tool. It's available right now for free. It's an early access at envisionapp.com slash studio. Give it a try, get your team on board, and start upgrading the way that you and your team build digital products together. That's at envisionapp.com
1: studio. So thanks, Envision Studio. And thank you to Asana for sponsoring this episode. They're looking for six product designers and design managers. Uh, they're going to be in Chicago and uh, Austin in late October and early November. So if you're interested in working at an awesome company like Asana, uh, check them out, go to asana.design. There are a couple links at the top that can take you to the appropriate pages for each of those roles. And uh, thanks again.
0: And if you've never been to Chicago or Austin, what a great uh, opportunity to see those cities. They're really cool cities. And I think they're they're offering to help get people there if you live nearby, but not exactly in those cities. So thank you, Asana. Thank you to Drew and Sarah for editing and producing this podcast. Uh, we don't thanks, know when it's going to come Sarah. out because we are recording this late and remotely from a uh, dramatically different time zone. Uh, so thank you Drew and Sarah for bearing with us uh, if you enjoyed the episode you can follow along uh, with us on Twitter we're uh, at Design Details FM on Twitter or you can join our community on Spectrum at Spectrum.chat slash Spec if you enjoyed the episode let us know what you thought tweet at us or if you're feeling so inclined we would love an iTunes review iTunes reviews help us move up the charts tells Apple that you are listening to us and uh, helps new people new designers like you discover the show so If you are enjoying things, uh, an iTunes review would mean so, so much. That's it. That's the show. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye.
1: (laughs) God damn it. (laughs)